we get into the nitty gritty of salary cap talk, our favorite topic here at Locked On Lease. Plus, the Senators made a big move. Should we even consider the Senators a big threat in the Atlantic Division? Plus, Fan Fridays here. We have a fan joining us. It's not James. It's somebody else. Right here on the Locked On Lease podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your daily fix for all things Leafs. I'm your host, David Morissuti from Sportsnet, joined today by James from Offside Hockey Talk. You've probably, If you are a fan of the show, you have seen James many times. And just a reminder, everybody, that Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so make sure you subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. And catch us up on YouTube, Locked On Leafs, your team every day. And a special shout out to anybody who's listening to this podcast for the first time. Thank you for making us your first listen. And if you're listening to this for the first time today as one of your lineups of many shows to keep you through this summer grind, thank you very much. We did reach over 3,800 subscribers on YouTube. So apparently my plea for subscribers worked. (laughs) If we can get that plea to get us to 4,000 subscribers by end of week, you guys would be amazing. That would be just over 200 That'd be asking for a lot. But if we can get to 4,000 before the season kicks off, maybe Mike and I will have to give something away to our loyal fans. Maybe. I do have some swag lying around. No, it's not one of these jerseys behind me. Oh, come on now. Maybe that's for a 10K. If we get to 10K, maybe we give away a signed jersey. I do have a couple of signed jerseys that are not in this room. So maybe, maybe. I do have some autographed gear. I, I would be willing to part with, but we have to really bump up the subscriber counts to do that. As I said in the opening, our favorite subject, money, here on the Locked On Leafs podcast. A lot of money being doled out, and it's not it's just least doling it out. The Ottawa Senators made a move. We're going to discuss that because the Senators feel like they never get attention, so we're going to give them some attention here on the podcast. And Fan Friday's here. James was kind of the... He was my guinea pig for the Fan Friday, but... <laughs> I took it one step further because a fan reached out to me and said, I want to be on the podcast. How could I say no to somebody who takes the initiative to search me out and come on and wants to come on the podcast? You will discuss that at the end of the show. We'll uh, introduce the fan and get into a little bit of Leafs talk. Always a great time to talk with people about the Leafs. I get people, family, anybody that knows I work in sports or have a podcast. It's like, all right, what do you think about the Leafs? And every time I get asked this question about the Leafs right now, I'm going to say it's an incomplete. Because first and foremost, the Leafs are not salary cap compliant. If they were trying to open the season with the roster they currently have, the NHL would say, nope. (laughs) You are not allowed to play with this roster. You have to figure something out. And so I didn't get a chance to discuss it on Wednesday's show because I knew it was going to be more of a in-depth discussion about the getting the roster to be cap compliant. There have there was an article actually on the Leafs Nation that kind of discussed this. I'm going to try to simplify it a little bit because there are different scenarios that would work. One of them that was on the Leafs Nation website that I don't 
think the lease would do unless absolutely freaking necessary. <laughs> Let's get this one out of the way. James, would the Leafs demote Matthew Nice to the Marlies just to make themselves cap compliant? I mean, no. The easy answer is no. I mean, but again, I don't I'll go this far and say if it makes it work, then they may try. But I mean, we'll discuss what will actually make it worse. Matthew Nyes is going to be a top six four for the Toronto Maple Leafs, at least to start this season coming up. Um, you don't demote him to the uh, the AHL. He has nothing to prove there. He looks like he fits in at the NHL level. So there are other ways to skin this cat, so to speak. Yeah, so whenever you're trying to get yourself cap compliant, the thing you have to look out for here is obviously who can be sent down. And in any of these sort of transactions, the easiest one is to try to figure out who can be sent down without requiring waivers. Mm-hmm. Currently, the Leafs, we know that they're just around $2 million over the salary cap. 2.1, I think it is. 2.1. There's been some, like, I think Puckpedia said they were 1.3 for some reason. That didn't really make a lot of sense to me, but I think they were counting, might have been counting Nick Robertson's cap to the LTIR because he's technically still on LTIR from the end of the season. We know that he is going to be around. So you have to look at players that can be sent down. I already mentioned Matthew Nyes, 925000 He is actually the most expensive player the Leafs have who is waiver eligible, like doesn't require waivers. He's waiver exempt. I mean, he's projected to be a top six winger, at worst, third line left winger. Don't see how the Leafs would consider doing that. Again, as James says, unless it's like absolutely set necessary. There's two other players up front. One of them is Nick Robertson. Mm-hmm. The other one is Pontus Olmberg. Mm-hmm. Pontus Olmberg makes the most, actually, out of the between him and Robertson. It's actually only about four thousand dollars more. It's like barely anything. But an easy move would be to put Pontus Olmberg into the to to send him down to the Marlies. Now, there's also the case of is D- is Dylan Gambrell actually going to be on the NHL roster? When the season opens, probably could be. You could see that if they decide to move Nick Robertson down just so they can get cap, cap, you know, compliant. Um, now, here's the issue, too, with trying to become cap compliant. The Leafs also have a road trip that's not in North America. Mm-hmm. They're going to be overseas. So if you're going to be sending players down, this isn't a case where call and say hey can you get your butt to scotia bank and you're taking the short drive well not short in toronto but the drive from from you know coca-cola to scotia bank yeah it's not a far ride no right and so th- in this case yeah the leafs can send someone down maybe they can keep them around if they need to call them up but in the case of their trip to sweet to europe they're going to have to find a way to not be too shorthanded, right? They can't. Well, I'm, I'm wondering, though, if the NHL may allow, make an allowance for this just because it is so far and they want to make sure this is a showcase right. where they may actually allow some, I wouldn't call them shenanigans. Like a taxi squad. Yeah, you have to be able to, to ice a team and you don't want to dilute the games that you're trying to yeah. promote over there. So they may have to come to some sort of agreement here for that to happen. But I fully agree with you. You don't want to be sending any of these guys down and then be like, hey, 
by the way, get your butt on a plane and get to Europe and you're going to be on the ice, whether you sleep or not, that, that doesn't work either. Yeah. And so the, the other issue here is the Leafs will have to not just demote someone like they can't just demote. They could demote all the waiver exempt players and be cap compliant, but that would leave them shorthanded up front. I don't mm-hmm. see the Leafs doing that. And so this is where it gets tough for Leafs. Do they consider waving someone like a Connor Timmons? Who yeah. 1.1 million. This is a case where you know a Connor Timmons showed that he could play NHL games, but also isn't a player that I'm willing to say the Leafs have to protect at all costs. This is a tough one here. And I wonder, do the Leafs consider if they're making a move this this offseason? Can they find a cheaper alternative to Connor Timmons? Someone that can cost a little less. But getting rid of that $1.1 million, that solves a lot of their cap problems right mm-hmm. up from there if you do that. The Leafs are most likely going to be a, a team that's at 20, 20 roster players. Yeah, I we think. said that before coming on, yeah. Right? I think that's where this is all going to end up happening. It's going to be a headache. I was kind of fooling around with cap friendly a little bit here. Like if you move Dylan Gambrell, one other forward, and then you can keep Nick Robertson up because he's kind of the cheaper one. Or you look at somebody down in the Marlies who is on a cheaper deal, right? You got to kind of look at guys who have cheaper deals. Bobby McMahon is one, 762000 Like those little pennies yeah. there will make a big difference. You bring up a guy like William Lagason, who's making 775000 versus a Connor Timmons at 1.1. Those are significant savings there. Those are things the Leafs are going to have to consider. Having a $1.1 million defenseman in the press box, not really going to work. And you know that if they put Connor Timmons on waivers, I say there's a high chance he's going to get picked up unless there's a team, unless teams are just not willing to take the $1.1 million of his cap. But I, I don't see that happening. Well, a lot of teams do try to sneak guys down, right? Yeah. We all know that when the waivers go on. And we, we know the Leafs, and it's been well-documented, okay? And there's been many people now reporting on this that teams do just take them because they are Leafs, period. End of story. It's not smoke and mirrors. It's not a conspiracy theory. It, it actually is true that, you know, some teams just do it to do it, and that's the main point of it. But I think if you have a guy like Connor Timmons, you know that he has value. NHL teams know he has value. So at least maybe dangle him in the trade market this summer if that's going to be your option, and maybe get something, recoup something, and then go out and sign your Jordy Ben this year your Victor Mete this year and have those insurance guys on the AHL roster and be able to bring them up if you need them. But I'll reach into a bag of tricks. As uh, our friend Terry Koshan once said, injuries happen at camp. And usually that takes care of the cap. It did for the Maple Leafs last year going into camp and allowed them to sign Zach Aston Reese and be able to do things. So, you know, you never know who may get injured and be out for the first two months. And then you can kick that rock down the road and figure things out. So, I mean, and I'm not hoping it's an Austin or a Mitch or any of those guys, but it could be someone that does carry a little bit of a price tag. You know, maybe Brody gets nicked up. Maybe someone on the, maybe McCabe has to miss a bit of time. And it allows you to fiddle those numbers a little bit. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, maybe do they consider moving off of a Sam Lafferty? Maybe even a Cali Yarncroke. Look, the only way I'm trading a guy who is going to be an everyday player on this team, even I'll put Nylander in that, I'll put Brody in that, you have to trade them and get something back. Because mm-hmm. when other teams see you're going to try to offload one of these guys because you're having cap issues, 
the return is never what you expect it to be, right? When teams have to make that cap hit work, they're going to be like, well, we can't give you exactly the value you want because, you know, we got to make this contract work. And they're going to try to use that moment as a reason to not give what you expect to get back in return. So you can't just go out and trade a guy like, you know, a top four defense like TJ Brody, a top six, you know, top line winger, William Nylander, or even Kelly Yarncroft, who's who could play some talks, top six minutes. You can't go out and just trade those guys because you need to get cap compliant. You need to make that trade. If you think it's going to help your roster. Yes. If it helps your caps cap at the same time, great, but that's not the main motivation for making that trade. No, it's not. And, to, to move out, I always think about value in, value out. If you're moving a guy that has value, you want some value back in return. And teams are not willing to line up to help the Maple Leafs or any team for that matter that are cap-strapped because they don't want to become cap-strapped themselves. The Maple Leafs can figure this one out. I mean, moving off of Sam Lafferty, I mean, why would you want to do that? When he was in Chicago, he was a penalty killer. Why did the Leafs lose in abundance this offseason? They lost penalty killers. They lost guys that filled that role. Hello, Alex Kerfoot. So now you have Lafferty down there who can block shots, who can take faceoffs, who can play the wing, who has foot speed as well, which is something this team tried to identify this offseason with a guy like Klingberg. So, you know, why are you going to move off a guy like Sam Lafferty who brings some of those things? Is he going to score you points? Not a whole bunch, but he's a bottom six guy and he fills a role that fills well probably with David Kahn this offseason or this season, sorry. Yeah, so we'll see where that all plays out. There's going to be a lot of moves I think the Leafs are going to try to make, but maybe they're just going to hold Pat until training camp and see how that all shakes out there. All right, we're going to move on to our friends over east of us, the Ottawa Senators, our friends. I call them friends, but we know they're not really (laughs) our friends. We're going to discuss a move that they made that's got some people wondering if they're actually for real this year. Are the Ottawa Senators for real, and should the Leafs be worried about them? Spoiler alert, probably not as much as some people think, but we'll discuss why on the other side. This is the Locked On These Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by AG1 by Athletic Greens. Keeping up with proper nutrition is really hard. You're busy, you're stuck at your desk, you're eating whatever you can just to get you through the day. But if you could start your day with the ultimate daily nutritional insurance, with a single scoop of AG1 and a glass of water, you can do just that and absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, mineral, whole source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine that cost him $100 a day. Just not sustainable. That's why he created AG1. And all that, it can be had for around $3 a day. So if a comprehensive nutrition solution is what you need, from your supplement routine, then try AG1. You get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. Check it out today. Welcome back to the Locked On Lease Podcast. David Morissuti here. Joined with me is James from Offside Talk. It is Fan Friday. We do have a fan joining me on the final segment of the show. I'm very excited about that. Now, we have been waiting for this shoe to drop a little bit. Where was Vladimir Tarasenko going to go? It seemed like for him, the market didn't go the way he wanted to. Changes his representation. 
He is now an Ottawa senator. He signs for one year, $5 million. Not surprised to see the contract. Not surprised to see he only got a one-year deal, especially this late in the game in, in free agency. The question now becomes, how does this put, where does this put the Ottawa Senators in the Atlantic division? We know that this is a team that wants to now compete for the playoffs. They took steps from not being a team that's constantly drafting in the top five, mm-hmm. but they weren't good enough to make the playoffs, even with the addition of Jacob Chikorin, who, surprise, surprise, got hurt and wasn't <laughs> able to really help them in that final push. They did make some big additions, Jonas Corposalo being the big one this offseason. Obviously, they traded Alex to bring it away, replace his production you know, with Vladimir Tarasenko. So should we expect the Ottawa Senators to be competing in the Atlantic Division, not only just for playoffs, but some are wondering, should we be worried about the Senators as one of the top three to finish in the division? I wouldn't be worried about them being the top three in the division. I'm not worried about that one single bit. And uh, I will say this, though, and I, I mean, tip of the cap to them. They made moves. They looked at what they needed. They shored up the fact they got a goaltender that they think might be able to carry them for some wins. And then they went out and replaced the offense from Deprinket for Tarasenko today. But also they insulated themselves very nicely. So if the season doesn't go the way they want, they have a nice trade chip come trade deadline time with Tarasenko that they can flip to another contending team to recoup more assets. So, I mean, it's not actually a bad plan, but I mean, if it all goes well in Ottawa, I could see them possibly sneaking in to a wild card spot. If the goaltending holds up and all of their young players like Josh Norris and the likes take their steps that they need to keep taking. I mean, we all know Norris was hurt last year, which is a guy that really would have, you know, helped them on their push. Same thing with Chikrin. But, I mean, I think you look at Chikrin and say you're probably going to get, what, maybe 57 to 63 games out of him. You know, he's probably going to be hurt a decent chunk. So, you know, you're not relying on him to be there the whole time. But I do think the Ottawa Senators are on the other side of things, on the upswing. And Sens fans should be excited. I mean, come on. (laughs) I am a Leaf fan, and I'm bred to not like the Sens, and I'm bred not like the Canadians but you have to call it what it is. And they're on the the right path to young players and guys taking the right steps. So yeah, I can see them being a wild card team potentially if everything falls into place. And that's a big if. Like Jonas Corpusel, while he played better with the LA Kings, mm-hmm. he wasn't very good in Columbus. And the Ottawa defense, that defense is not known for being a stout defense, right? Yeah, they got some young guys like Jake Sanderson. They got Shabbat. They got Chikrin, but... Health will be an issue there, and also can they play better defensively? That's been the caveat for the Senators group the last few years. The other one, too, is who do you expect to drop in the Atlantic division? Everyone will say the Florida Panthers, but they found a way to squeak in last year, right? They've Yeah, but remember, they have a bunch of guys that are not starting the season, yeah. and then they have to come in and get up to speed and get rolling after said surgeries. They've also carved away a little bit of their depth as well. Like Duclair is not there. So that one kind of, and then a guy like Racco Gudis, who really kind of made guys feel stronger and taller and really got into people's faces and made it difficult to play against the Florida Panthers. He's not there either. And then also, how are the goalies going to feel? Alex Lyon's no longer there. Spencer Knight is coming back. Tip of the cap to him to making it back. But, how is that going to make Bobrovsky feel? 
Yeah. You know, and is that going to add turmoil in the net there and a little bit of drama, or is it just intrigue? But there's so many things for Florida now. We talk about Ottawa needing things to go right. So does Florida. And let's not forget, we have the Buffalo Sabres, who were one point out of making the playoffs last year. They are expecting to take that next step as well. We'll see how Devin Levi does there. They got a lot of good young players. Tage Thompson, can he replicate that production? That's going to be a big one for him. So the land division is going to be tough. Like, I don't see Boston taking that huge drop, even though Patrice Bergeron, salute to him on his career. Yes, tip of the cap. Right? What like a Boston, Boston's still going to be a tough out. Tampa's still going to be a good team, as long as Andre Vasilevsky's there. Right? So, and the Leafs. Like, the Leafs are still going to be, like, there's no reason why the Leafs shouldn't be a playoff team next year, Right? So it's it's a very it's the toughest division of hockey. Maybe both wildcard teams will be from the Atlantic Division. Well, That's- I was gonna say that. Who would you see out of these two teams if I told you you had to pick between the Buffalo Sabres and the Pittsburgh Penguins? And I'm not doing it just because of Dubas. I'm saying because they missed last year. You know, would you go Buffalo on the upswing? Devin Levi maybe stepping into his real own, and then Pittsburgh an aging squad. I go Buffalo, man. Well, and if Pittsburgh gets. Eric Carlson, that's going to make them a very intriguing team. But, you know, Christian Jari, he's got to play better than he did last year. They also got to hope that guys stay healthy, right? Latang, we know his his concerns with injuries as well. Yep. Like, Pittsburgh's still a team that I'm still – I mean, yes, they made a bunch of moves and made a lot of additions. I just don't know if I'm sold on them. Yeah, I'm not sold on Pittsburgh yet. And, yeah, the Metro is going to be an easy division, though. With Like, Columbus should be a little more competitive. I mean, there's that's that's a team I still think is going to take some time to get back up to speed. We know where Philly is going; they're going in the opposite direction. So the Metro might prove to be a, an easier path, and why Pittsburgh could get into the playoffs, and why well they they might, or like you just said, both Atlantic teams might overtake, and maybe Ottawa goes by the the Islanders this season and goes by the Washington Capitals, who are just on the Great Eight chase right now. You know. It could be time for these teams to maybe start slipping down the, the line and maybe more Atlantic teams get in. And Hey, let's go. I'd love to see a locked-on Leafs, locked-on Senators clash pod for the playoffs. Just saying. Yeah. I'll put it into the ether now. <laughs> we'll see how that all plays out here <laughs> on Locked On Leafs Podcast. We're going to have a lot of time to discuss where the season is going to go for this Atlantic division. It's going to be a very competitive one. For sure. And- I'll get a chance to talk with our fan of the week. I'm not even going to give his name away yet. We'll talk about with him on the other side, just about what he thinks of the Leafs offseason so far and other things that made him a Leaf fan. We're going to get a chance to discuss that on the other side here on the Locked On These Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to welcome you all back to the Locked On These Podcasts. And I did say we were going to be doing this. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. And we are debuting our first Fan Friday episode, purely a Fan Friday episode, where I am joined by somebody who has been following the Toronto Maple Leafs for over 40 years. He messaged me on Facebook. That, See, guys, this is if you want to get on the show, you got to take that initiative. Mike Spencer joining us. He's the one who came out and said, Dave, I want to be on the show. I've been listening to you for over a year. I want to listen to you all the time. I want to come on and talk Leafs. That's the initiative you got to take here to get on the Locked On Leafs podcast. So I'm glad that we're able to get a, a fan on the show. Mike, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Dave. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, so 
in your time, I did ask, I have a little, had a little survey just to get to know Mike just a little bit more here. And his favorite player doesn't surprise me a little bit because, you know, 40 years I've been some good players, but I always find that there's a couple of guys who always resonate with a certain group of fans have been watching this team for so long. Your favorite player is Doug Gilmore. What made you a Doug Gilmore fan of the Leafs? Uh, just watching when Dougie came over from Calgary in the big trade and how he elevated the team, the way he played. He wasn't the biggest guy in stature, but played like a big man on the ice, wasn't uh, afraid to get in the corners, wasn't afraid to take the body or get hit and just aggressive. And hence he got the name killer. And he just embodied what uh, those Leafs were in 93, 94 and uh, kind of a special time when I got to watch him live a couple times uh, in, later in his career. And, you know, an unfortunate ending for Dougie, but yeah, that's probably my favorite Leaf. Seconded by Wendell. I, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Doug, uh, but I have met Wendell on a number of occasions. And, uh, that would have to be my second favorite player. Yeah, I, I remember, I mean, I wasn't old enough to see live all the Doug, you know, Doug Gilman, the Wendell Clark, the, I call those the glory days of the, you know, the 90s Leafs teams. And my first ever memory of Doug Gilmore was when he came back to Toronto and it was against, I think it was against Calgary coming out on the ice. Boom, that collision that took him out. And we just, that was kind of the end for Doug Gilmore. And I just remember my my cousins were so upset when they saw that happen because they grew up with Doug Gilmore. I didn't really grow up with Doug Gilmore. I was like in the Matt Sundin, Curtis Joseph era. I obviously knew who Doug Gilmore was. I knew who Wendell Clark was but never got to see them. And so I knew the pain a lot of people had when they saw Doug Gilmore go down um, in that game and with that injury. Yeah, it, it was really bad. It's got to be, you know, up there with uh, the slash from Gretzky to uh, not be called. And that was uh, on those Leafs as well. So it's been a long time cheering for this team, watching the ups and downs, going through guys like uh, Gilmore and Clark and, and getting into guys like Domi and Sundin and, you know, a few quiet years with Bozak or Kadri. And then, uh, you know, recently, obviously, Matthews, Marner, Nylander. And now with the addition of uh, Max Domi and uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, it's been a fairly busy summer with some new guys to read some bios on and see what uh, see what's coming up the pipe. So before we get into the current lease situation, I want to know what got you, like, do you have like just that one memory of like that, that just cemented your leaf fandom for yourself. Yeah. So when I was a little kid, I'd always go over to my grandfather's house and Saturday night, CBC hockey night in Canada, a bowl of uh, vanilla ice cream sitting on the chair with my grandfather watching the Leafs. And that's what did it. Everybody else in the family on my, that was on my dad's side on my mom's side. They were all Habs fan. My parents weren't huge hockey fans, but look forward to Saturday night and Papa and watching the Leafs. Yeah, and I had obviously that was. It seems like hockey night. If I ask anybody about being a Leafs fan, hockey night in Canada is kind of the one that always, because the Leafs were always front and center on hockey night in Canada, and deservingly so. They were always the big draw for hockey night in Canada. And so now we're transitioning to this newer area, the new era of this Leafs team that's pretty much been this era started in twenty, let's say twenty sixteen. You know when Matthews and Marner came onto the Leafs with Nylander. We know that the disappointment year after year of not being able to make it through the playoffs, it's not something that, you know, Leafs fans have been used to because when this team has good players, they find ways to have some measure of success in the playoffs. And 
now it, it kind of feels like the vibe of this team has has kind of changed, right? The promise of like when these kid, guys were young, they were the young up and coming Leafs. Now it's like that Leafs team that can't get over the hump. It's probably been a very frustrating few years, especially for someone like yourself who has seen the misery of not being able to really get as far as they this Leafs team should have been able to in the last few years. Uh, yeah, it hasn't been easy. I'll always remember when uh, son, sorry, Matthews made his debut for the Leafs against uh, Ottawa. My son likes to gamble. He's 21 now, and he says to my wife, I bet you Matthews scores three goals. And she goes, you're on. What's the bet? And she, he said, you got to buy me a Matthews jersey from NHL.com if he scores three. So we all know what happened. Matthews scores five. The jersey's still here. It's a white Matthews uh, Reebok jersey that uh, I – he still has, still wears. We've worn it to games together, uh, even in watching playoff success and failures. It's just been, it's been daunting to watch. It's, it's been trying. And, and you know, I, I do watch a lot of hockey besides the Leafs, not whether I'm watching, uh, you know, OHL or I'm refing some minor hockey or I'm just watching the playoffs after the Leafs get eliminated and trying to watch it and figure out what's going on. And it, it's easy to say, oh, they're too soft or, oh, they're, they don't go hard enough. And you can see key ingredients missing from the fold, but it's just uh, something that, you know, I, I, I'm not paid to figure it out. That's not my job. That's up to, uh, you know, Sheldon Keefe and Bradtree Living to figure out. But uh, I think that a lot of the key ingredients are there to make it work. And I was very happy to see some sandpaper come in this year, uh, especially. Like, I love how Matthews plays. Uh, I love how Marner plays. Uh, but I, I've always thought that some grit's missing. Like, when I was a kid watching, Gilmore had grit. Clark was more than grit. You get into the next era and you got Domi some grit there and you got Tucker some grit there and Roberts and those boys there. And you watch the last few years, there was Michael Bunting who was annoying, but not grit. And that's one big thing that I'm thinking could be a turning point this season is we've actually got some real sandpaper and the sandpaper's got some time on its side because you know we bring in luke shen last year human erasers the nickname but you know he's already 30 something years old and he's getting slow he wasn't fa- you know that fast to begin with now what do you what do you think of the whole uh ratchet living you know someone who came in a little bit later on the job Obviously, he had to play a little bit of catch-up to realize what he needed to do with this Leafs team. How do you think he has done in the first, you know, the guy was pretty much brought in end of, you know, beginning of June when Dubas was let go. What do you think, how do you think he has done in the in the time that he has been here? Uh, he's done what I think, again, I like the acquisition of most of the talent. There's been some question marks or, raid, you know, raised my eyebrows and, piqued my interest ryan reeves three years but hey you know never know could be wrong uh john klinberg wasn't sure on that one but we'll see what the season brings but holding on to his coaching staff for the most part smart like if you're thinking about how you're going to play this out you only have one chance to fire the coach and it's no slight against sheldon uh but you know something you got to hold on to taking his time and properly assessing what he has and trying to assess what he has. He can't assess what he has on the ice other than, you know, the scouting that he did in Calgary watching or happened to know a few guys, Giordano or uh, TJ Brody, but, you know, having the proper time to sit down, interview everybody and discuss and see what their thoughts are and their plan. And, you know, it's one thing to, I'm sure, watch what the Leafs do on TV and see the coaching decisions fold out on TV, as opposed to talk to Sheldon, go, okay, I see what you did here. 
what were you thinking and why did you do that? And I, you know, it's something that unfortunately you and I will never get the opportunity to do, but one thing, you know, he's impressed me by being patient, not just burn it to the ground. Cause you know, Kyle Dubas was onto something. He has built a fairly successful franchise. It's just hasn't been able to get over the hump, unfortunately way too many years in a row, but. Well, yeah. What do you think of Mike? Mike and I have kind of up and down thought of, you know, him gradually coming in and, not making the big, you know, hammer move like like either firing Sheldon Keefe, trading one of the core four guys. Like everything's been kind of status quo. He has made some big additions: Bertuzzi, Domi, as you mentioned, Klingberg. We know the news now with Matt Murray. So there have been some substantial moves made with this lease team. But how do you feel about him not coming in and just, you know? Weighing, like just saying we're going to do away with everything kind of Kyle Dubas has done. Uh, I think it would be a mistake to come in and do that. You want to take the time to grow the system, grow what's there. You, you know, like Sheldon Keith's one of the winningest coaches in NHL history, if not Leaf history. So why, why would you fire him right away? You know, and you only get to play that card once. So if you play cards, you know, play poker, you got to hold your heart, hold your hand to the very end. And, you know, playing that ace right away may not be the smartest smartest move we all would like to see it but is is it the smartest move long term you mentioned you know he didn't trade one of the big four well we still have matthews unsigned you still have nylander unsigned and nylander asking for 10 million and you see timo meyer and uh, sebastian aho both signed for fairly reasonable contracts that are under the 10 million dollar mark so you know it's still not the end of the summer and training camp hasn't started. So we don't know if he is or isn't going to trade one of the big four. Now I don't see Matthews or Marner going, but you know, if Nylander's not going to come off as, you know, perch for the 10 million, what do you do? Now, obviously Nylander is the big name. Everyone's talking about when it comes to his contract, whether they trade him. Do you think the lease would go into training camp with Nylander either unsigned or even still here? Do you think, like, if he's not signed, that he will be here at training camp? Uh, I have a feeling that he will be here at training camp, signed or unsigned. Wow. Just for the fact that, you know, let's let's let him build up his value and then trade him and go from there or sign him. I'm not sure. but What, what would you, because, you know, and, and this is an interesting, because I know quite a few people who have been on the do not sign Nylander train on the trade Nylander train. There's just something about Nylander that a lot of Leaf fans just don't don't like, maybe or even don't appreciate about his game. Are you on that, you know, that you feel like Nylander's a guy that the Leafs should be looking to move, even even if the, he, he comes down with his contract demands? Well, it all depends where the contract demands come in, right? Like, so is a frustrating player to watch. My son and my friends, we all get in the argument about Nylander all the time because he's very polarizing. So when you watch Nylander, he's very, he appears to be very aloof is the best way to put it. And he, when he turns it on, it's lights out. He's the one that's turned it on in the playoffs year after year after year where you watch Marner and Matthews go silent. You know, they're oh for this, oh for that. And uh, Nylander's still chugging along. And it's, it's what gets you with Nylander, I find, is, yeah, you can get behind that, and then it's a soft turnover, or it's, you know, not making a hard forecheck. Uh, it, to me, if I was to move Nylander, the big key piece that the Leafs would be missing is the, the big mean guy on defense. You know, like, if you look at Tampa, they have Hedman. Now, I'm not saying you could get Hedman for Nylander, but 
you know, and then Vegas, they're huge defense. Like the Leafs just don't have that big hulking mobile defenseman back there that makes you afraid to go anywhere near the net. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how the whole Nylander situation plays out. I just know that Brad Living seems like that guy that doesn't want history to repeat itself when it comes to Nylander and what he went with, with Johnny Gaudreau. And I think if he comes into his first year and Nylander is able to, is somehow allowed to walk in free agency without any sort of return, that's going to be a very tough one you know, for the Leafs. But I don't think it'll come to that. I think they'll figure something out, whether it's signing or trading him, I think. Bradshaw Living just knows what this market will do to him if, if that ever does happen. Because I, I just, we just know the market's not too, you know, they've had some very rough uh, opinions on Bradshaw Living, and this would be one of them if that were to happen. Well, and I like you, I think you said it best. Bradshaw Living's learned from his past. Not only is he not going to let what happened with Johnny Goudreau happen with Nylander, I don't think he'll let, a, uh, he doesn't want to have a trade that he loses like he lost with the Kachuk trade. There's nothing against Uyghur and Huberdo, but what did Uyghur and Huberdo do for Calgary compared to what Kachuk did for Florida? Yeah. Between Kachuk, Kachuk and uh, Bob, they carried that team past the Leafs. And it, they ran out of gas in the finals, but I'm sure that that's playing in the back of his mind, and it's going to be very hard for the Leafs not to lose a trade with Nylander. I think you have to go in with the fact that you're not going to win the trade, but you can't lose it either. Mm-hmm. All right, to end the segment here, I want to know, do you have any prediction or anything you want to prediction for the Leafs for this upcoming season, something you maybe wanted a little fortune teller look into the Leafs' upcoming season? Um, yeah, I'm hoping to see Matthew Nice compete for the Calder. Okay, that's a good one. No one, I, and we haven't even talked really much about Matthew Nice this offseason, so I'm glad that somebody was able to bring it up. A guy that I really do enjoy watching play, so... That would be that would be a nice welcome for the lease. Mike, I want to thank you for joining me on the segment. This was a lot of fun. This is what this podcast is for. The podcast is for the fans. I'm glad I was able to bring somebody who watched the podcast and is a big fan of Lease to come on and join me. Thanks for having me. All right. This is the Locked On Lease Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to thank Mike for joining. And if you listening at home want to join on the podcast, show a little initiative like Mike did. You can reach on reach to me on Twitter. At the underscore more studio, I always have my DMs open, so you can send me a message there. Send it to the Locked On Leafs account. I'll make sure I, I follow and keep an eye on that or just find a way to reach us out, and we'll bring you on the show. A little bit of vetting first. I vetted Mike. Mike Mike went through the ringer with me, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So uh, make sure you go and check us out wherever we get you get your podcast from and subscribe on YouTube. Until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.